Welcome to Stories of COVID, the interview project that explores what it's like to experience a global pandemic. I never thought I would see this in my lifetime. It is scary and it's very real, but it's not hopeless. As I said, I changed three planes. None of them were wearing any gloves or masks. I've never seen so much support for freelancers or artists in the in the media um, as I have now. They both laid me off from just the advent of the, the outbreak. I'm anthropologist and author Veronica Kieran, and I am building an interview archive of stories and anecdotes that define this time in history to write a book preserving this experience for future generations. If you'd like to help preserve this moment in history for future generations, check out the show notes to sign up for an interview. Anna Rebecca Green remembers the controversy in the European Union when vaccines were first being manufactured. She describes how working from home shifted her attention and her ability to get things done and the self-discoveries that she made along the way. I was living here in Berlin. I want to say it was fairly early in February. Um, So at the end of 2019, I went back to St. Louis to visit family for Christmas. And then I stayed until the very beginning of January for my dad's birthday. And then I flew back and I want to say like maybe the second week of January, I remember I was FaceTiming with my parents and in that week I had heard about it and I kind of brushed it aside because I was like, it's going to be like the last time there was a SARS thing and it wasn't as big of a deal and it's good to be cautious, but it'll turn out to be nothing. (laughs) I've always been a sarcastic and cynical person, so that part hasn't changed. Maybe not so much emphasis on cynical. You know what? I've been a sarcastic person with with a dab of cynicism until the pandemic and I feel like I'm more cynical than I used to be. Maybe I should put it that way. Working in science and as a science communicator, I understand that science is a process. It is not a firm, uh, things can change. And so it really frustrates me when people decide to go do their own research on things and to, to fit what they believe and then ignore guidelines that are coming from professionals who are, that's what they've studied their whole lives. They know and they've done the research and some of the research, yes, it's new, so we don't have all the answers, and things change. Like, the whole, at the beginning, oh, you don't need to wear masks, and then masks have become a staple. Um, and so that's been a little frustrating for me to see how, how much people just don't care to even try to protect others. And I know there's a good portion of the population who does, but it's easy, I've found, to become focused on the ones who don't, and how frustrating that is when especially the first year in particular of the pandemic, it was so hard for me knowing I just couldn't go back to my family. And if something bad happened, I wasn't going to be able to easily get back to them, if at all. And all I could see was these people who aren't playing along like everybody else and trying to protect everyone are making it draw up further. And so that was hard. The most current updates are always in German and they're in very official German and while my German has gotten better over the last three and a half years sometimes it's just it's it's a whole different vocabulary than what I use every day 
eventually an English translation comes along and that's helpful, but also it's sometimes not easy to find that page. And there's, there's different things I listen to like Berlin Briefing where they do a recap of what the rules are, but it can change so quickly that sometimes it's hard to keep up on that. And so I tend towards erring towards the sides of caution and using the most stringent regulations. So like, for example, if they say you can go back to using medical masks, I'm still using FFP2. I also personally just feel safer. That's my prerogative. If you feel safer wearing a medical mask and that's what the regulations say, go for it. But for me personally, I tend to err on the side of caution with yeah. that. I don't want to mess with it. I don't want, as far as I know, I haven't, I've made it through the pandemic so far without it somehow. Not somehow, I've been following the guidelines. But um, I don't want to find out how I would deal with it if I got it. I don't want to, I don't want to play that game. So, and also it's a, a matter of protecting other people too. If I had it and infected somebody else, I would feel absolutely awful. And especially before the vaccine was around and we had a fighting chance, I was especially paranoid of, even if I could go home and see my grandpa, I wouldn't because he's in his nineties. And if I had it and gave it to him, he legitimately could die and I would never ever forgive myself. And if that's how I feel about my grandpa, what about other people's grandpas? So I was more up on top of it until I had surgery last week. And now it's kind of just all been like out the window because I'm basically back in quarantine because I basically don't leave my apartment at all because I can't. So, um, or at least easily. So uh, the last I knew, uh, the regulations were loosening. And so they were starting to do away, and I want to say it was as of last Saturday, maybe? They did away with requiring 2G plus in a lot of places like cultural um, venues and um, I think restaurants as well. I think restaurants are being allowed to, to backslide to just to, to 3G. So um, for those not in Germany, uh, recovered, vaccinated, or um, tested instead of just recovered or vaccinated because the, the caseload has been going down. So I, uh, th they are upping the mask mandate. I know, I know one of the things that was a big deal was they're not requiring retail to be 2G anymore, but they are requiring an FFP2 mask mandate. And so, which wasn't a requirement before. Before you had to be vaccinated or recovered to do non-essential shopping but the mask wasn't as strict of a requirement in terms of what kind it was, but now it has to be FFP2. But as of right now, that's what I know. I also know, for example, the people in my apartment building don't, almost none of them wear masks in the elevator, but I do. And that's just how it is. And I can't and won't tell them to put on a mask because that's just a dangerous situation to get into. You don't know how somebody's gonna react if you do that. So at the very beginning, it really didn't bother me at all. I had lived in Berlin for a year at that point. A good chunk, the, I mean, realistically, the majority of my friends are in the United States. My entire family is in the United States. So for me, talking to those people, it's typically through some kind of messaging service, Signal, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, um, FaceTime is what I use with my family to video call. And so, Literally for me, life was no different, except that instead of going into work, I was working at home. Um, and I actually was far more productive right at the beginning because I didn't have to commute into work. I woke up and immediately started working. Um, and I was a morning person for a while. 
And then maybe a couple months in, when they started really talking about how bad things were getting in hospitals and how bad it was affecting people and the United States just did not seem to be taking it as seriously and that's where my whole family is. And I started getting really worried that I was never gonna see my family again because they would catch COVID and die and I wouldn't even be able to go back for the funeral. And that really messed me up. Um, I had really bad insomnia for six weeks or so, a few hours of sleep a week at best, which then, you know, of course, elevated anxiety and like heart palpitations and just all that stuff. And it was awful. And I tried some of my regular tricks, but things like melatonin aren't readily available in Germany. So things that I knew to use were not something I could use. Yeah, so that was really hard. And in the end, um, I was fortunate enough to have a really supportive boss who was just like, look, if we don't get you healthy, you're not gonna get, like you may wind up out of work sick in some way for a lot longer. So let's get this figured out. And so like my my doctor, I went to my doctor and she had me try L-tryptophan tablets, which as an American who, you know, you always hear about tryptophan on Thanksgiving was hilarious to me. And I was like, oh, I wish this was my mom's turkey instead of just a pill. but. Um, and that did help. I did finally get some sleep. Um, and then trying to get back into calming myself down, talking to my therapist about it, that kind of thing. And figuring out how to tell myself it wasn't going to be as bad as I was thinking it was going to be in my head. And then the other thing too is um, at this point we still, nobody's gone back into the office or anything, but I was allowed to start coming into the office one day a week just to give me some semblance of. Um, and that was something that my my boss worked out for me, making it so that I was essential enough to come back a day a week just so I could have some kind of normality, I guess. And the funny thing is, yeah, the home office thing didn't bother me. It was, it was just my family being so far away. Um, at that point, we started doing live streams too, and they wanted to do English-speaking live streams like once a quarter. And so I got to do one of those around the time where I started sleeping again. And that helped a lot too. Performance, planetarium shows, all that kind of stuff. It gives me a good um, adrenaline rush, of, like a good kind of adrenaline rush. And so that was also helpful too in kind of putting me back in a better headspace. Since then, things got better. My grandpa did get COVID a couple weeks before he was supposed to get vaccinated. And fortunately he is super stubborn New Yorker and a fighter. Sweet, sweet man, very kind, very loving, but also like he wasn't he wasn't there for that. He wasn't there for COVID. He was gonna get over it. So he did. <laughs> um, so that was that was good. That was hard to know he had it, but it was good to know that he was he didn't have a lot of the hard side effects of it, thankfully. Um, and kind of when that happened and the vaccine started rolling out, I had a, a much bigger easing of tensions. It was also hard because it was the first time I had never been with my family for Christmas. Um, and I went with my boyfriend to his family's Christmas instead, which was cool because I'd never experienced German Christmas before. I always flew home. That was really nice and they brought me right into the family and like it, it really wasn't, I FaceTimed with my family of course, but it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like I was sitting here alone wishing I was with my family. It was just a different situation. Um, and then, yeah, once vaccine rollout started um, and my family started getting vaccinated um, and eventually my parents, well, thankfully my parents are healthy, 
but they were just below the age mark in Missouri for being allowed to be in that first couple of groups. So they were like the last group of healthy people that got to get vaccinated. So that was, they still wanted to vaccinate before me, but once they were vaccinated in particular, I was really, because at that point they were the last ones. So then I was a lot calmer about everything. I think it helped a lot of us keep our sanity, me included. One of the things about my job that I love is conferences. Um, the planetarium community is extremely small. The majority of my friends who I talk to every day are out of the planetarium community. Uh, it's A lot of us feel more like family than friends or colleagues. And so I love the conferences because you get to see what's new and you get to hear what your, your colleagues and your friends have accomplished over the year. And maybe if you're lucky, get to steal some of their ideas with their permission and use them in your own dome, but also you get to see them in person. Cause it's not like Berlin where you got three, three permanent domes of portable and two observatories. Like usually it's a planetarium per large city. And maybe you have some small ones in schools or smaller museums or standalone, whatever it may be, but it's not like there's a ton of planetariums concentrated in an area. So you're not going to see them regularly. So it was hard knowing I wasn't gonna see some of my best friends um, as well, but I was amazed every time we did an online conference instead, that how good it felt seeing their faces even on the screen. And it was actually very heartwarming. And also it was obviously helpful too in that we were able to keep, work-wise, we were able to keep reaching our public, and not just our public, um, we had a broader international reach too. We had people watching the United States. We got um, questions to our uh, info email address from other countries in Europe, um, and not just Europe, like worldwide, who tried their best to watch one of the German ones or tried their best to watch one of the English ones or whatever it may be. Um, but our live streams reached a lot of people. Um, and so that was really cool to see too, because those people maybe wouldn't have come to Berlin or if they did, they maybe wouldn't have gone to the planetarium, but they were looking for something for their kids to do or for them to do and wound up find, finding us and watching a bunch of the live streams after that or whatever it may be. So, and I think it forced innovation too, because everybody had to like figure things out, especially within the culture sector. How do you keep your business alive? How do you keep, if you're an opera house, how do you keep performances going when nobody can sit in your theater? Stand-up comedian, how do you perform when you can't have an audience? Planetariums, how do you get people to come in when you can't. So it forced everybody to figure out a way to, to reach their audiences. And of course that's just the sector I'm in culture, but I know overall it was a lot of, okay, how do we keep motivation up? How do we get our team still working as a team? So I think if we, thanks to having the internet it, 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 and, and technology, it made things a lot better. And I think that innovation uh, we'll carry forward too. I know I've, I've seen lots of things change already, even going back to quote unquote normal, whatever normal is at this point. A lot of employers saying, you know what? Everything worked really well when you were working from home. Keep working from home if you want to or come into the office or we're willing to do it so you're half the week in the office, half the week at home if you choose to do it that way. And it's giving the employees a choice and that autonomy and how you work your work schedule is really nice too. I like that a lot. For me personally, probably the biggest thing was 
shortly before I moved to Berlin, like a month before I moved to Berlin, I had to put my dog to sleep. Um, and I had planned to bring her with me and it just, she would not have done well here. It was probably a godsend that her health deteriorated so quickly right before we, we left. But that of course was very painful and that was hard. Um, and I missed her a lot. I missed going on walks with her, um, especially. I love going for walks. I love going for walks with a dog, but I just assumed I couldn't have a dog here. And all I could think the whole time was, oh God, all of this pandemic time, I could be training a dog, I could be training a puppy, I could have a dog, oh, but I can't have a dog. And I don't, I don't know why, but there was a day in September where it, it clicked for me, where I was just like, maybe you should look at your lease. Oh, I know why it clicked for me. Cause I had randomly stumbled across a link for a rescue organization, a German rescue organization that partners with shelters in Ukraine. And I saw a picture of this sweet little puppy and I could not get her face out of my head. And I went, oh no, you know better than to look on sites. You knew that was a mistake. I was like, nope, just gonna let it go. Somebody's gonna give her a very happy home. And I could not get her out of my head. And I was like, but I wanna give her a happy home. And so then I looked at my lease and it said, with permission. And so I remember I actually, that was, it was one of the brief periods of um, 2020 where we were able to not be in lockdown. And I had gone to the, um, the technology museum in Berlin. And I remember I was in one of the galleries T uh, texting my landlord asking if I could get a puppy. And uh, it took a little bit for them to respond, but they, they did, um, later they did respond, uh, yes, and that the condition was that I had to send pictures of the puppy. And so then I applied immediately. Thanks to COVID, some borders closed and it took a while before she could come to me. It took about six months, but my, my perfect little puppy, my pandemic puppy arrived and had her for a year now. She's been with me for a year now. She's, she's a good girl. She tries. She knows I'm talking about her. She's staring at me. Very vividly, I remember standing in front of an airplane that had kind of been like, you could see parts of its like bones and stuff, its skeleton, and texting my landlord. Like I very vividly have that memory. Another, actually another moment that was um, really nice too is, um, I got to know uh, one of my coworkers um, a lot better. We kind of connected right before everything with the pandemic hit the fan and um, had hung out a couple times, but um, both of us were like, oh, I gotta get out. Like, and you know, of course everybody gets a little stir crazy during lockdown. And the rules were that you could, if you were doing sport, you could be with one other person. And so she and I would just go for super long urban hikes through the city. And because it was locked down and there were no tourists allowed, I got to see a ton of Berlin on foot without the tourists around and without locals judging me for being a tourist <laughs> because they all went to the park. So I avoided crowds by not going to the park and I got to see parts of Berlin that I probably never would have seen just because we would just wander around and eventually we'd find our way to where we needed to be. And we'd go for hours, we'd go for walks. And so the one that sticks out in my head in particular is that both of us coming in, winter's always hard. And I get seasonal winter blues. And we were both bemoaning the fact that like, 
it gets very gray in Berlin in winter and there's not a lot of sunlight. There's not a lot of hours of sunlight, which has been hard for me. It's a 20 degree change in latitude for me and I didn't think it would be that big of a difference, but it is and every winter is hard. Um, but one of the things that makes the onset of winter not hard at least is all of the Christmas markets. It makes everything festive. It doesn't matter if it's dreary weather-wise, everything's just festive and beautiful. And we were bemoaning the fact that the Christmas markets weren't allowed that year because uh, it was 2020, so of course they weren't. But we, we were going on one, one more walk before Christmas. We walked by the Gedeckniskirche and there was one. Like it wasn't in its normal form. There were just here and there, there were stands and you could get Glühwein and like, you know, with your Abstand, with your social distancing, you could drink it, you could slip your mask off and take sips. And if we were walking down the street, we had to be wearing masks, but oh my God, there were lights everywhere. And it was so beautiful. And I cried. I was so happy. I was so happy. It was a literal, all those lights were like a literal bright spot. And for both of us, it was, both of us felt normal for a little bit. And it was, both of us were just so overjoyed. And so this year, this, this year, because already last year, 2021, we were both like, okay, we need to go back to the Christmas market there this year since it was such a huge thing for us last year. So, and it was a real one this year. So that was fun too. Um, and so that was really, really nice. And then we, there was actually this Italian restaurant that had um, like extra large glühwein and it was really good. It was like their homemade recipe. Um, and we had gotten that in 2020 when we were just walking around. And so we made sure to go back to them to get another glass and we told them and they were like, seriously, you, you remember that and came back to us for this? And they were super sweet. It wound up actually being a memory that kept giving memories, which was nice. What I had read in various news articles and stuff was that the EU, naturally including Germany, was sending amounts of their vaccine to other countries because they didn't want a war starting over vaccine. What frustrated me was it wasn't like they were sending it to third world countries or developing nations. They were sending it to Japan and England and or the UK in general and the United States who wasn't reciprocating and sending vaccines back to Germany at that point in time. So I was very frustrated because I was like, well, if you're going to send vaccines to the United States, then just send it to your United States citizens living in the EU. Um, it, it made no sense to me that that's how the distribution was happening when we didn't have enough vaccine to vaccinate the people in our own countries in the EU. And I realized the United States didn't have enough vaccine for the United States, but they also weren't sharing with us. Why were we sharing? Which I realized that's like a terrible mindset too. Like just two wrongs don't make a right, but it felt like we weren't being looked at. Like that was the one, that was one of the things where it just felt like a complete flip because regarding like the first lockdown, in particular, I felt like Germany did everything right. And the EU, for the most part, was like spot on. And then when it came to back, and then, you know, the United States was just a mess that made me have insomnia because I thought my family wasn't gonna be taken care of. Then came vaccine rollout and everybody I knew in the United States was vaccinated and I finally got invited to get my first one and I was in one of the risk groups because of asthma. So I still got to get vaccinated before a lot of people did and I still was vaccinated after pretty much everybody I knew. That was frustrating then to hear, oh, you're sending our vaccine, that we're already getting it. If, if it had been sending it to a nation that was struggling to get vaccine because they were a developing nation, I would have been more understanding of that, I guess. 
and I don't want to speak poorly about my own country, which at this point you, I guess I call the United States and Germany both my own country. So about either one, but also like I, I, I don't think I'll ever understand why they did that. And, and maybe, you know, those news articles I read weren't correct. Maybe there was more than met the eye. There's usually in those situations a bigger picture that you're not seeing everything of, but it was, it was weird. Thank you for listening. Subscribe so that you don't miss an interview. I interview multiple people a week and I am releasing these episodes as fast as I can. And if the story meant something to you, share it because it will probably mean something to someone else. Every time you share the project, it helps the project grow. So thank you. Until next time, stay safe, stay well.